Let's all take a collective exhale <laughs> after that one. Good morning. It's good to be with you and to be woken up by a good Clint Eastwood film this morning. Get your hair standing on edge. For those of you who are joining us online, once again, we're glad you're here, but we're also sorry with copyright laws that we're not able to show you the clips. So you will see a blank screen, but don't worry, we'll be back as soon as possible. Very few moments <clears throat> in the life of all of us do we all kind of have a general understanding of a situation. And the miracle in the Hudson is one of those moments where we've at least probably heard about it. And uh, so it's plane takes off, bird strike, and lands it safely on the Hudson River. Spoiler alert, nobody died. And uh, <clears throat> it's a really, really, truly amazing miracle. But what I've also come to know is true is that when you uh, experience a miracle, there's usually an investigation shortly afterwards. And so most of the movie is uh, centered around the investigation. So you have the NTSB, which is the investigative body that has their own idea of the events. And they think that Sully could have safely made it back to an airport. And uh, then you have Sully, who has his own experience in that moment, and realizes that the only decision he could make was to land on the Hudson. So take a look at this clip. It kind of sets everything up for the movie as we move forward. I eyeballed it. <laughs> but what this movie reminds me of and what I want to talk to us about today and what I think we should sit with for a little bit is the topic of wisdom, uh, biblical wisdom to be more precise. Uh, when we talk about wisdom, though, sometimes we often confuse or, or, or we use two words interchangeably that really don't mean the same thing. We have the word wisdom, and then we often use the same, this word that we think means the same thing, which is knowledge. And knowledge and wisdom are two very, very different things. Knowledge is very factual. It's very verifiable. We turn to the people at our dinner tables and say, just Google it and figure out the answer, right? That's what true knowledge is. Uh, <clears throat> but wisdom is something very, very different. Wisdom is sound decision-making. And uh, specifically when we're coming at it from a faith perspective, it's godly decision-making. And so, yes, knowledge is really, really important, but so is our experience, and so is the situation we find ourselves in. You see it in the movie Sully in that clip we were just watching. He says, sure, I know that I should have tried to go back to an airport. Everything tells me that's what I'm supposed to do, but judging by all of the flights I've done for 40 years, my experience tells me otherwise. And the situation I find myself in doesn't allow for it. So wisdom is this very different thing that happens in our lives, and it takes wisdom for us to navigate the world that we live in. And uh, sometimes I think we find ourselves in very difficult situations to do that. You heard Sully in that clip say, no one prepared us for this. No one warned us. And I think that's true of our lives as well. I was 26 years old when I was uh, serving at my previous church, and we were setting up for Christmas Eve, and I got a phone call. And I remember my heart beating through my chest standing in the aisle of, that, of the church sanctuary all alone by myself. And it was my grandmother who was calling me and telling me she had months to live. And in those months, she wanted me to guide her through the end of her life and at the end officiate her funeral service. No amount of understanding of how to prepare a service and no amount of understanding or knowledge of what it means to walk with people at the end of their life can prepare you for the moment when it's your own grandmother who has cared for you, changed your diapers, and loved you all along the way. At 21 years old, Dan was uh, preparing for what he was going to do in the world, how he was going to make his stamp with his life when he woke up and could no longer move his legs. 
and his brother had to carry him down the stairs, eventually to the hospital. He was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome and spent six months completely paralyzed other than the ability to blink his eyelids and move his eyes. His family and friends created a language that he could communicate with them through those very small moments, but he would end up walking for the rest of his life with braces on his legs and carry a disability uh, for the rest of his life. And no amount of knowledge of people with disabilities or of Guillain-Barre syndrome can prepare my dad for the moment where it touches his life and his life has changed forever and now he has to figure it out. It takes wisdom to find our way through these moments. And so many of us have found ourselves dropped right into situations that are just way outside of the standard operating procedure of how we go about this world. It's maybe it's a divorce we didn't see coming. Maybe we've prepared our whole life for a marriage to set up a family that we are going to love and care for and cherish, only to find out that having children is either not in our cards or it's at least going to be more difficult than other people experience. Maybe it's a freak accident that we've experienced and now we have to navigate a life on the other side without the loved one that we once had. Or maybe some of you, like me, have sat across the table from young people who, even in spite of knowing how much God loves them, they say to you, I just don't want to live here anymore. And it takes wisdom to find our way through that, and maybe even a non-practical wisdom, so just bear with me. Wisdom is laced all throughout the Bible. You can find it in all of the books that you open in Scripture. But uh, generally, we group three books together, and we call them the wisdom literature of Scripture. And one is Proverbs, and then you have Job and Ecclesiastes. And amongst those three, you find very, very different, differing wisdoms, right? In Proverbs, very practical, very conventional wisdom. Do X and Y will happen. Do Y and X will happen. It says in uh, Proverbs 10, uh, verse 11 and 12, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Practical, calculated wisdom. How do you know what a person filled with love looks like? Well, here you go. How do you know what a person full of hate looks like? Here you go. Very simple, easy to divide what it looks like and how you can move forward in those situations. But then you get into Job and Ecclesiastes, and it just, for lack of a better term, gets weird right? (laughs) The book of Job, everybody in the story, including Job himself, is wrestling with this question. And the question is, I'm a good guy, says Job. I follow all of God's commandments and all of God's laws. And still, I actually don't feel like I'm blessed by God. It actually feels like God is actually harming me in the midst of this. And they're wrestling with this really tough, difficult question. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it's an even weirder kind of wisdom, one that flows from a guy who's experienced so much deep pain. But I think that that is very much true of our lives at times as well. He opens the book on a really, really high note. Please note the sarcasm. He starts by saying, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. I think I've said that in a state of rage as well. (laughs) History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing is truly new. Sometimes people will say there's something new, but actually, it's really old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we're doing now. 
It's almost like if we were to contextualize it in our time, in our words, and in our language, and in our world. Uh, it's almost as if he's saying, hey, I followed the Proverbs wisdom that says to train up a child in the way he will go, and he will not flee from it. Yet, now I find myself with a child running completely, the complete opposite direction from God. Or... <clears throat> Maybe uh, you throw yourself into a job in which you love. You find steady joy in it because that's what we are raised to do. That's what we're taught is a good thing to do. We find a ton of joy in it. And just a pandemic out of nowhere for no reason and in no control of ours wipes that job completely away. Or practical wisdom tells us that we should honor our parents and those in authority over us because that is what God calls us to do. Yet in the face of doing that, all we've received is hatred or abuse. And so there is still wisdom, though, to be found in these moments. And that's what I love about the book of Job and the book of Ecclesiastes is that just because it doesn't look practical, just because it doesn't look like Proverbs wisdom doesn't mean that God is not moving in those moments. If the writer of Ecclesiastes can find wisdom in his journey, I think we can strive to do that as well. He comes up for air later on in the, in, uh, the book to, to share, share some of that wisdom that he has found uh, through his life. And he says, even so, I've noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life that God has given them and to accept their lot in life. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life is indeed a gift from God. It's as if he's saying, our time here is so short, you better find good people to spend it with. Our time here is so short, you better find work that you enjoy because that's really what it's about. Our time here is short. It's good to accept the lot that God has given you in life because only then can you actually find a pathway towards joy. In spite of all the findings that the uh, NTSB finds in the, in the movie uh, Sully, in the, in the investigation, you simultaneously just get the sense that Sully made the right decision. There was no other decision he could make, and he did the right thing. He doesn't take the direction of the airport tower. He doesn't follow the checklist to a T, we find out. He doesn't do all that practical wisdom tells him to do, which is to turn back for the airport. Yet you're still left with this understanding that He just did the right thing. He applied non-conventional wisdom to this situation, and that is the only reason why 155 people made it home to their loved ones that night. Sully has this moment in the movie where he reminds the investigators, but I think he actually reminds all of us that there's just a little bit more sometimes than what practical wisdom can provide us that sometimes things are outside the bounds of what is practical. We, like, that we can't just like Job's wife say, well, if you're experiencing this, it means you must have angered God in some way. Or, hey, every, I know I heard everything you're going through. Here's a small little Bible verse we're gonna slap on that to take care of all of the pain and the anger and the anguish that you're going through. We can't do those things. Quite simply, the practical wisdom runs out when the impractical happens in our lives. Take a look. You find out later after that little phone call that they had 17 practice attempts before the simulation that they saw. But it's a wisdom that seems to defy all standards, a wisdom that also seems so true at the same time that both Sully and the writer of Ecclesiastes understand something we have to keep in mind when we're uh, walking this journey of faith. 
And that's the humanity of the people who we're going to come in contact with. That's the humanity of us in the situations we find ourselves in that are just outside of the standard operating procedure that we typically uh, find in our lives. This book is the book of uh, Ecclesiastes and the book of Job are the reasons why I'm in ministry today because if it was just simply about slapping Bible verses onto people's problems, I'd have left a long time ago. But rather, there is wisdom in sitting with people through the deep pain that they experience and walking with them through wherever they find themselves dropped into. So, my friends, if you find yourself in a place of deep uncertainty that requires sound decision-making that you weren't ready for, can I just simply remind you, like Sully in the movie, nobody warned you. Nobody prepares for this. No one trains for the situation that you find yourself in. Yet, just because you're human doesn't mean that God is not moving in those places. That it is good to remember that sometimes the practical wisdom runs out, and we have to search for God in new ways each and every step of the path. You might have to crawl before you run. You might have to sit in anger with God for a while. You may have to see a therapist or work through some trauma with a Stephen minister that you've experienced. You may have to be Jesus to the very children who have rejected him. You may need to stop watching the news to heal the broken images of the neighbor who moved in next door to you. You might have to actually reinvent your life. But that's okay, and God is in all of those moments as well. I hated the day that I had to uh, officiate my grandmother's funeral, but because I came to accept it, I found so much joy in those final moments that I got to spend with her, and they've provided so much uh, comfort along this journey, and I find her everywhere I go now as well. My father could have allowed his disability to make him bitter and angry at God and the world, but instead he became the greatest coach I ever played for, even though I never had the privilege of running with him. He's walked with so many people who have dealt with the same uh, syndrome that he ended up having, and because of medical advances, people don't actually have to have, or don't have the disability at the end of it that he has. And he hasn't allowed that to make him angry. He hasn't allowed that to make him bitter. He just walks with those people on the other side of it. I've seen countless people who have had a failed marriage. They take a step back. They either heal something inside them that has caused them to damage somebody else, or they heal the image that's been damaged in them by somebody. And then they get up and they move on and they reach out to so many more people on the other side of what seemed like the end of the world. And most importantly, if there's something that the writer of Ecclesiastes reminds me of, it's that just because the practical wisdom runs out in the situations we might find ourselves in, that doesn't mean God is not there. God is moving, continually revealing himself to us in new ways. And if we'll just take time to be wise about how to move forward and seek what he wants for us, maybe we can find him in those moments. There's a true story that, that really baffles my mind. Um, it's about one of the heroes of our faith. <clears throat> she died at 87 years old. I was only three at the time, so I don't really remember her. <laughs> but 15,000 people attended her funeral. Her life is marked by a love for Christ, a love for Christ's people. She's served in so many countless ways. If you were to hold up a standard of what it looks like to be a good person of faith, you might as well tear the paper up. She blows it out of the water. 
And what you think you would find, I'm listening to an audio book of all of the writings that she and her spiritual director sent back and forth to each other. And what you think you would find in there is really, really deep strength. But that's not really what you find there. Instead, you find deep darkness. She says things like, Jesus has a very special love for you, but as for me, the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and do not see, I listen and do not hear. The letters, when you string them all together, outline that for basically 50 years of her life, which is the majority of her life, she felt like God was completely silent and absent from it. I can't imagine the strength it requires to move forward and serve God's people when the very person you're trying to serve and care for doesn't make himself known to you. I think most of us know who Mother Teresa is. But for 50 years of her life, she didn't feel like God knew who she was. And like I said, I don't know what strength looks like in that situation. I don't know how you go 50 years not hearing from God and serving in the capacity that she did. But I do know that I've found myself in my own moments of darkness in my soul. And so in those moments, it is necessary that we continue to search for God in the midst of the pain that we experience. And so maybe you're sitting there going, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, like I said earlier, there's really no playbook. There's nothing I can hand you and say, here's the answer. But what I do know is that when I've journeyed with other people and I've walked alongside of people of faith, typically they can point out all along the way where God has been present in the midst of the struggles that I've been in. It's the reason I'm in ministry today. I would venture to say it's the reason why most of the people are here on staff because they've experienced this themselves and want to walk with you all through it as well. Why the Stephen ministers who line up here at the stage at the end of the service do it is because they have been in those moments as well. So my encouragement to you is that you reach out, that you don't do this alone, that you find a trusted person in your life who can do this with you. Scripture doesn't lie when it says... Uh, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That is what it's about. Don't do this journey alone. Let's walk together. Let's seek God in all of these places and let's find the wisdom that he seeks to share with us in all of the deepest moments of our life that nobody prepared us for. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks this morning for your word and the ways in which it reminds us that just because things are outside of normal doesn't mean that you've left our side. Would you help us to seek the wisdom that you have for us in each of those places? Would you help us to make those wise decisions of how we move forward? And Lord, in the midst of it, would you remind us that we are loved by you? It's in your name we pray, amen.